Welcome to Bite Size Dental Marketing. I'm here today with the one and only Dr. Rupesh Singhala. Uh, Dr. Rupesh Singhala knew from a very young age that he wanted to be a dentist. He actually comes from a family of dentists. Uh, at an early age, he was accepted into a prestigious seven-year dental program straight out of high school. Dr. Singla then graduated from Tufts School of Dental Medicine in 2006 and went into a private practice in New York City for the next 10 years. He then hopped over to Texas from there to Duncanville, Texas, where he opened up his own dental practice called Singla Dental, and that is where he is today. Dr. Singla, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. The first question I always love asking is why dentistry? Because it's not really the first occupation that people line up to and you think this is exciting. I want to do this. And uh, yet they're so, so, so important to society. And I mean, what would we do without dentists? So <laughs> if you could please just give us give us idea of why dentistry and your passion for it and the journey that you've had? Yeah, so um, my dad's a dentist, so I definitely grew up seeing the lifestyle of a dentist and seeing that he was coming home happy and also when he was stressed out. And I really wanted to help people, which is the primary reason I wanted to go into healthcare, um, but I didn't really want to go into medicine. I really enjoyed the fact that my dad was able to run his own practice and help people. So primarily that's the reason I chose dentistry. I'm now seeing that I can change people's mouths and they can really sometimes change their entire attitude and life in a lot of different ways. You know, it is, like I said, the, the necessity for dentists are incredible in that. I mean, I've seen so many times a, a patient coming in and having left with their new teeth or something, and it just changes their life and changes the, the, for, for the rest of their life. So I, I completely agree with you. You mentioned there about owning a practice and your dad owning a practice and obviously following in his footsteps, just as you, one thing you mentioned there too was stress. As I've mentioned to you, I know my father was a dentist who owned his own practice. Uh, you saw your father go through it and, and now you also successfully own your own practice. To the dental associates out there and, and people looking to open up a dental practice, what are some of the things that you wish you knew back then that you know now as somebody that's owned their own practice for so long? You know, it, it's difficult. So looking back on it now, I think that it's important for you to learn as much about dentistry as you can and continue always learning. I know that when I first came out, I thought, you know, I knew it all. I was really humbled by a couple of cases early on. And um, now I spend months doing CE every single year so that I can continue to be at the cutting edge. So I think, you know, not being afraid to be the new face in a room, even though everyone else is you know, maybe more experienced than you. Um, continue to learn and learn new techniques. Don't be afraid. Don't feel like you need to, you know, fail multiple times before you learn new techniques. You can do advanced techniques at an early age or early in your career. Also, you know, we never learn how to run a practice. We never learn how to deal with employees in mm -hmm. dental school. It's very humbling, you know, when you have employees and it's very rewarding. You know, you are the primary source of income for a lot of the employees that are there and they rely on you. So it comes into making decisions on vacations and, um, 
you know, spending money on training events. And we also uh, do this Friday, we're all going bowling and we're invited the family, their mm, families out as awesome. well. So these are some things that instead of it just being a job, it being sort of more family oriented practice. And I wish that I had felt like that in the beginning and treated my employees more like family right in the beginning not just as workers because the employees really are a big part of what makes your practice successful makes you successful mm. and makes your day-to-day -day life more fulfilling now the importance of your team feeling appreciated and wanting to be there and looking up to the dentist is one thing i see all the time the, the practices that perform better are the ones as you just said that are more family orientated where the dentist is that leader to the rest of uh, the dental team in showing how things need to be done. And I loved what you said about staying at the, at the cutting edge of understanding what is the latest in technology? What is the latest that I can do? How can I be better? How can I be better to, to my staff, to celebrate them? All of those things, that's such great advice. I, I, I could not agree more. The next thing that I wanted to pick your brain about is one that I'm sure you've spoken about often and that is as a dentist you've seen every type of patient walk through your door but one that I'm sure is most often you see is the patient with dental anxiety the one that just is just a nervous wreck coming into the door from the get-go and as a dentist you play an incredible role in then guiding that journey of understanding why this patient feels this way what can we do to, to mediate this, to help them have a great experience. Before we talk about what you do at Singular Dental, why do you think dentists have such a bad rap? When it comes to, I remember watching Finding Nemo as a kid and in the, the whole storyline that plays off with a fish in the tank and the drill, you just hear the, the drilling and the guy shaking it. And of course, we know that's not real life, but... Why do you think dentists are given, have been dealt this hand? Because you sh you're no scarier than any other regular doctor or, or shouldn't be. And usually dentists are some of the most caring people because they really just want to help improve uh, that patient's life. So what is your opinion on, on why dentists are seen as, as scary? You know, I think there's a lot of different factors. Um, I think that there was a time where parents would take their kids to the dentist and they would just sit them down and they would say, do everything as fast as you can, do everything today. Mm. And um, anesthetic may be wearing out. They may not have enough anesthetic. You know, the dentist just continued to work on them. I've had so many patients that have said that, you know, they felt every part of everything. It's also a very vulnerable position for the patient to be in. You know, they're laid back and you're very close to the patient. They don't have any control over what's, what's mm. happening to them. Almost any other situation, you know, the patient can move or ask questions, but once we're in there drilling, we, you know, they don't have that same opportunity. That's why we make sure that we try to over explain each procedure and make sure that the patients are completely comfortable with what we are going to do and what their expectations are for during and after the procedure so that if anything is happening during the procedure, it's not a surprise to them. Hmm. And uh, they don't feel like, you know, if they hear drilling all of a sudden then they weren't expecting it, or if they see a syringe coming at them, or a lot of times 
we have something called etch, which is used to clean the tooth during a filling. And it looks very much like a dental syringe to give anesthetic. And I've had a lot of patients get very worried that I'm going to give them another shot. So in the beginning, I mm. try to explain to them that that will be something that's happening during the procedure. So I think that those are some of the reasons why patients are fearful. Um, you know, we've all heard from patients that the dentist put his, you know, knee on my chest and pulled the tooth. You know, I think <laughs> physically that's a very difficult thing to do uh, to get leverage. But, uh, you know, there's some dentist out there that is going around putting his knee on someone's chest and giving all of us a bad name. But that's not you. And that's, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> when it comes to a patient with dental anxiety, beyond the communication part, what, what do you do? And, and do you think, again, do you think that communication part, is that one of the biggest hurdles and people just not knowing and not understanding and therefore it creates uh, anxiety? Or what have you found to be the most useful when it comes to helping patients? And what do you do different that helps with, with calming patients down and making sure they have an enjoyable experience at your practice? Yeah, absolutely. Um, communication is a big deal. There's so many times that I'll explain a procedure or the reason we're doing a procedure or how we're going to do it. And I can't tell you how many patients have told me, oh my God, I've had four of these before and I never knew why or how or what was going on. Um, and just knowing now I feel calmer. We, we do other things to help the patients out. We warm our anesthetic because a lot of times the patient will have less pain when the temperature of the anesthetic being injected is closer to their body temperature. We also try to give the patient some headphones so they can listen to some music while they're getting treatment done. That's nice. We yeah. give the patients like a little bite block or like a pillow to put in their mouth so that they don't have to keep their jaw open. They can kind of rest their jaw on there. Uh, a lot of patients, um, especially patients uh, who are older, who have jaw problems, they can't leave their jaw open for so long or they start shaking when their jaw is open. So that has really helped in um, their comfort level. And I've told a lot of patients have said, you know, after this procedure, I haven't had jaw problems. Whereas in the past, I've always kind of had a clicking jaw after sitting in the chair for, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes getting dental work done. You know, we have warm blankets and towels that we give to the patients after treatment. There's a lot of things that we do to try to make the patients more comfortable, but I think you hit it on the head. Communications, knowing what's happening, um, showing the patients pictures of other patients who have gone through it, of what to expect of their exact condition. We have an intraoral scanner that will really helps with communication as well. There's all of these things that help put the patient's mind to ease and makes them really understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how we're doing it. No, that's, that's perfect. And for the patient that still says, okay, Dr. Singlet, that's the warm towels sound good, and I can hear you're going to take care of me and all of that. For those that are still hesitant, when it comes to the correlation between oral health and overall health, if you could share a bit about why it's so important to stick to your regular cleanings to come in to to fix a broken tooth to make sure that an infected tooth is dealt with to not wait if you have a missing tooth because of the risk like other teeth shifting or your jaw losing structure when it comes to your overall health and oral health what would be your case for for telling somebody why it's so important i can't tell you how many times uh, a patient just tells me I'm not having any pain. So it's important for patients to realize that 
when you're having pain on a tooth, that means that somehow the nerve has been affected. And that generally means that you're going to need some more advanced treatments, possibly a root canal, possibly an extraction. Sometimes if you deal with the problem um, before it hurts you, mm-hmm. then you can have more routine um, restorative work done on, on that to solve that problem. I think one of the reasons why root canals get such a bad uh, reputation is because patients wait for their you know, mouth to swell and they're remembering that horrible experience. And you know, the root canal, the anesthetic doesn't work so well in an infected area because it's a basic solution and the infection is an acidic solution and the two mm-hmm. don't mix very well together. And, you know, they might've been up all night the night before with uh, pain and, you know, they can feel their heartbeat in their face. And those are all reasons why taking care of something beforehand, I've had lots of patients go through root canals and say, oh, wow, I didn't, this was nowhere near what I've seen or my friends have gone through or whatnot. And I'd like to think it's because I'm an amazing dentist, but you know, part of it is because we are getting to a problem before they're getting to that swollen mm-hmm. state, showing it to them, showing them, you know, this is where your teeth were a year ago. This is where they were six months ago. This is where they are now. And this is what's happening. Showing them examples of other people who have waited for longer and, you know, just trying to be conservative and not necessarily jumping on something too quickly, but also not allowing it to become an emergency situation. Because so often we hear in dentistry, prevention is the best cure. And I mean, I could I could not express that enough to all of our listeners, anybody like you should not wait, as Dr. Singler was saying, until it gets to a point where it's a problem, because that means you've waited too long and it's probably going to cost you more than what it should have if you had just dealt with it much longer ago or just made sure you stick to your regular checkup. If you say, I always like to compare it with a car. If you don't, if you miss all the service history, all the services, and you never take care of it, at some point that car is going to break. And for our own health, we're exactly the same. If you leave a tooth to decay beyond a point where it's not repairable, that's where you move into uh, more expensive treatments that uh, you could have avoided, especially on the re- on the restorative side, and that would have caused you a lot less pain. So. That uh, that's definitely true. Speaking about uh, um, yeah. your restorative and your cosmetic treatments, beyond your bread and butter dentistry, what is some of your favorite treatments to do, and why? What what is rewarding to you about it? Implants have really opened up a whole new world for us in dentistry. You know, before we were forced to give people dentures, the patients really didn't like them. I mean, we normally had to tell the patient how horrible the denture is going to be before we did it, you know, (laughs) which was not really a good way to go into something. With the implants, we are finding that people are being able to chew just the same way they did with their natural teeth. With new, you know, technology and new advancements, we're able to get to those implants faster with immediate implants at the time of extractions. Um, You know, like I said, I'm constantly going and learning more. There are new things out here that are allowing us to be faster in putting the implants in so the patient is not without teeth for longer than they have to be. And that goal of mimicking that natural look and feel is where dental implants have just rocketed past things like dentures or bridges 
uh, depending on maybe if you do implant supported bridges, you could have a similar effect, but definitely not close to dentures. That's why I've seen over and over again with the before and after pictures. And it, it looks almost exactly um, like natural teeth. That That's what is so amazing to me. And I know that inconvenience of not being able to talk properly or not being able to chew as you would like with dentures was solved with dental implants and, and with how long they last. So that's also definitely one of my favorite treatments when it comes to to dentistry and, and just the value that you get out of it. And besides that, you know, on the other end, um, you know, we used to have to shave down teeth and do crowns and veneers. And now with the advent of clear aligners, we can be a lot more conservative and move the teeth into the right positions. And a lot of times that is all the patient really needed. They didn't need you know, to sit there for three days and get numbed up and get all the teeth shaved down and putting crowns on or veneers onto them. Sometimes if a patient neglects their teeth for long enough or if they have wear and stuff, then sometimes we have to be a little bit more comprehensive and we hmm. need to do our what we call a rehab on their mouth and we need to reestablish where their bite was when they were younger so that they can chew better. Um, there's so many times that patients will come to us and they don't realize that their bite has collapsed. You know, they're almost biting on their gums because they have, mm. like you had mentioned before, they've lost a tooth in their, you know, 20s and they never replaced it. And the teeth have shifted around that to try to allow them to eat. It's funny, you know, when we're younger and healthier, a lot of times we don't have the financial means to pay for these things. And then when we're older and we've kind of neglected our oral health and we do have the financial means, sometimes we have to go through a lot more treatment to get to the same place we would have for a fraction of the cost when mm. we were younger. And and that shouldn't be the case anymore because there are so many mechanisms these days for younger patients to be able to afford these treatments and, and being able to deal with a problem. That's correct. We've got so many in-house financing third-party financing, payment plans. We make it as flexible for the patient as we can and make it reasonable for the patients to really get what they need done. We don't want financing to be the reason that they don't get work done. We want mm. them to understand their condition, um, want to get the work done, and then we always work with them to find a way to get that done. That And that's so important because very often it is the finance thing that's saying this is why i'm not getting this done but that's why talks like this is so important because patients need to understand that there are ways to still do this the 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 old school type of dentistry where i could never afford that 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 isn't the case anymore and there are options to get the treatment that you need and i so often see do not let the idea of i can't afford this cause your oral health and your overall health to deteriorate to a point where your quality of life is then terrible because you're thinking, I can't win. There are actually vehicles that you would be able to do it and it would fit within what you are able to afford. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that we see sometimes is people going to low cost clinics or going abroad and getting some dental work done for much cheaper than they are here in the States. But Sometimes they're not using quality labs, quality materials, hmm. and, you know, months or years later, we're finding failures. And, you know, because those teeth have been worked on 
and sometimes degraded to the point where we can't really fix it. Sometimes we have to do more aggressive treatment than was initially needed. So sometimes cheaper or a lot of times cheaper isn't always better. Getting what you need done and understanding what you need to have done and getting it done by someone you trust is very important. Um, Mm. I think that if you cannot have your patient trust what you're saying or doing, it's very difficult to have a professional relationship with them. No, I I completely agree. And one of the the final questions I wanted to ask you, speaking of how you do, how you guys do things better and how you have all these options. If I was a new citizen to Duncanville and I was looking for a dentist and I found Singular Dental, what is your elevator pitch for why should I come to Singular Dental? What do you do different at Singular Dental that your competitors don't do? And, and what will I get there that I won't get somewhere else? Well, we try to get to know each patient individually. We try to tailor our care and our dentistry to what they need, what's important to them. We don't mm-hmm. want to have a cookie cutter approach that everyone that comes here is going to get veneers. Everyone that comes here is going to do this. Two or three people may come in with the same problem. And once we speak to them and see what, they're, what they value or what they'd like to avoid, we may change our treatment plans for similar conditions for different people. And on a side note, Ian, you know, we are here. You don't need to be in Duncanville. You can come down from Colleyville and uh, come see us anytime. <laughs> well, Dr. Singler, thank you so, so much for joining us today on Bite Size Dental Marketing. It's always a pleasure to see you and to have you on. And um, until next time, thank you so much. Thank you, Ian. Have a good day.